I want you to turn your Bibles, if you were, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to begin there today, kind of a strange place to begin, but uh, we'll just kind of take off and go and see where we go. Let me find this clock that they tell me is present, so that, uh, okay, we're good. Set for two hours, so we're good to go, all right? So, uh, no, it's, it's doing good, so... Hallelujah to Jesus. No snow. You did good. I'm proud of you. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. I think all of us will agree that we are in some very challenging times. That today's world is changing right before our eyes. Uh, Seemed like to me personally, I don't know, uh, I was born in 53. And uh, 53s and 50s and 60s didn't change too much. 70s really didn't change that all that much. 80s, 90s. But we get into today's world, it's changing right before our eyes. And I want you to notice something that, that Paul admonishes us in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is Paul's last letter that he wrote. He's writing it to Timothy. He's actually writing it from the dungeons of Rome. He's going to be martyred uh, shortly after he writes this letter. So this is the last letter that he's ever penned. And he tells Timothy these words, verse 1 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. This know also, that in the last days, King James says perilous times, the word perilous means hard, hard times are going to come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. This is not talking about homosexuality and lesbianism. This is talking about selfishness in this particular place. For men shall be selfish. Hard times are going to come into this, this world and our lives because of selfishness. It's going to come because people are covetous, because they're boasters. In other words, they're self-promoters. They're proud. They're blasphemers. Hard times are going to be uh, introduced into people's lives because they're disobedient to parents, um, because they're unthankful. Very interesting word there. Unholy. Without natural affections, truth breakers, hard times are going to come because people are false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of that which is good, traitors, uh, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of a sort are they which creep into houses and led captive silly women laden with sins led away with their divers lusts ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, just like Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate, concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my patience, my, my charity, persecutions and afflictions which, are, uh, which have come to me at Antioch and Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. So he's t- talking to us about the last days. Then listen to what he says here. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. In other words, it's not going to get better. Evil men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But I want you to notice verse 14, because this is the verse that I have taken more of our RMEI ministers back to over the last decade than any other verse. 
that in spite of what's going on in this world, as believers, verse 14, read it. We are to continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. There are some things that we are to continue in in spite of what's going on around us. In spite of what's happening in this world, in spite of how, how de-evolution is occurring, how, 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 the, how, how dysfunctional things are, in spite of that, we as believers have been admonished by Timothy, by, by Paul through Timothy, that we are to continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. So there are some things that we are to continue in spite of what's going on in this world. In spite of what, what the world is kind of, if you will, uh, highlighting and spotlighting and being engaged in, we are to continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. And I know this as a, as, as a, as a minister now of over 45 years. I found this to be true, that as believers, no matter, no matter how young we are in the Lord or how old we are in the Lord, we are to maintain ourselves. Over and over again, the Bible talks about you pay attention to yourself. You pay attention to yourself. You maintain yourself. You keep yourself. And so the thing about it is I want to talk to this issue because we have to, be, we have to ensure that as we walk in, this, in today's culture, we are to keep ourselves, if you will. We are to maintain ourselves. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We've all heard this verse ministered on many times before. Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to begin reading with verse 18, if you will. Ephesians 5, in verse 18. Paul, once again, writing to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, he says these words. I tell you what, let's go back up here to verse 17. Ephesians 5 and verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled, underline that phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look up this word filled in verse, in verse 18, but be ye filled with the Spirit. The word filled here means this. It means to replete. Replete. It means to replete. It means to cram. In other words, you've got an open container and you're cramming it. Keep yourself crammed with the Spirit. Replete yourself with the Spirit. The word filled also means to level up. It speaks of a, of a hollow, if you will. And you're trying to level that hollow up. And I've been doing some woodwork recently and, 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 and making it, actually redid my garage workbench and made drawers and everything. Well, there was an area here where the wood wasn't exactly level, so I, it, it, there, was, there was a hollow in it, so I had to level that up. We are to level ourselves up. 
But this issue is, is kind of interesting to me because this kind of goes along the lines of Isaiah 40 and verse 31. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31, it says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That renewing of your strength and this filling yourself up with the Spirit of God has a tone that, that, is, that is similar in nature and similar in, in, in responsibility. But this thought came to me, and I want to talk about it today. If you can replete yourself, you can deplete yourself. I'm going to say that again. If you can fill yourself up, you can empty yourself. If you can deplete yourself, well, then you can replete yourself. So I want to talk about how we deplete ourselves. Because as believers, we must not allow ourselves to be depleted with the things of this world and with the culture of this world. Number one, the first thing, how do we become depleted? Number two, what effect will it have upon us? What effect will it have upon us as believers if we allow ourselves to become depleted? And number three, how do we replete ourselves? I think until we understand such things, you'll never really understand or you really never really know when it's time to replete. If you don't know how you became depleted and if you don't know what it looks like when you become depleted, well, then how are you ever going to know whether or not you need to replete yourself or not? So you have to keep these things in mind. Now, for me, there's an interesting phrase. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Joshua, Joshua chapter 2. There's an interesting phrase found in the Bible, and it's many places. I'm not going to turn to all of them. But in Joshua chapter 2, there's a phrase here that kind of caught my attention. Joshua chapter 2. And I want to begin reading with verse 1. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. And it's the phrase, the fainted heart. If you look up the word fainted, it means the melted heart. And I'm just going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag real, real quickly here, because I want to get to my main point here. When your heart has become melted... You lose your courage. You lose your strength. Hopelessness begins to just kind of invade your life. Feelings of, feelings of impossible just kind of, if you will, just almost overwhelm us sometimes. Just, just kind of, you know, there's nothing more we can do about this. This issue of the melted heart. You know, the Bible talks about very clearly that we are to keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. You are to guard your heart. A lot of individuals are looking so much into what's happening in our world today that they're allowing their hearts to become troubled. They're allowing their hearts to become overwhelmed. They're allowing their hearts to become fainted. They're allowing their hearts to become melted. 
And we must be aware, be aware of this particular arena to, if you will, to maintain ourselves in such a way that we can continue thou on the things that we have learned in spite of what we see, in spite of the, the evidence that, that, that says otherwise. I want you to notice here, he's talking to, um, uh, this is the, the, the two spies that have gone into the promised land. And Rahab has, has, uh, has, 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 has in, intersected with these individuals and came into contact with these guys. Verse 3, And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are, that are coming to thee, which are entered into thee, thine house. We know they're there. You're keeping them. These two spies that have come in to spy out the lamb. For they become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I winced not whence they were. And it, came, and it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gates that when it was dark that the men went out. Whether the men went, I went not. I don't know where they go. I don't know where they went. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall surely overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, hid them with the stalks of the flax, which uh, she had laid in, in, in order upon the roof. And the, and the men pursued after them the way of Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as the, the, they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gates. And behold, they, they were laid down. She came up unto them upon the roof. This is Rahab. And she said unto the men, I know she's speaking on the behalf of the people within the walls of Jericho. Listen to what she says here. I know. In essence, she's saying, we know. I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and your terror has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land of Jericho, all the inhabitants of the land, underline it, faint. Because of you. Their hearts became melted, if you will, because of you. Verse 10, for we have heard. I'm just going to here again put the cat out of the bag quickly because of our time here. I found this to be true. The melted heart comes as a result of two arenas being, if you will, unmanaged. The, the, the ear gate and the eye gate. We as believers in today's world have to watch what we hear and what we see. Because through the ear gate and through the eye gate, you can become so overwhelmed by what you see that all of a sudden your heart becomes fainted, your heart becomes melted, if you will, and all of a sudden you lose all courage and hope that is not the place of the born-again believer, the spirit-filled believer. I want you to notice here, she says, she goes on a little bit more to say about this. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Verse 10, for we have heard how that the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. That just rocked us to the core when we heard that your God did that for you. For when you came out of Egypt... And we heard what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed, I mean, you annihilated them. And when we heard about these things, along with what he did with the Red Sea, here again, our hearts became melted 
We, we lost our courage. We lost our strength. Verse 11, I love this. And as soon as we had heard, coming through the ear gate, as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts, underline it, did melt. What was the result? Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. We lost all of our courage. Listen, guys. In a world that so desperately needs God today, it does not need courageless believers. We must stay on course. We must stay on track. We must stay on mission. We must stay on our mandate. We have, we have got our mandate and our purpose given to us by our Lord that we are to preach the gospel into all the world and we are to represent him no matter where we're at, in our homes, on our jobs, uh, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. We are to represent him. But the thing about it is, if we're, because of all that we're seeing, if we're allowing this stuff to kind of just, uh, just mess with us and, 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 and cause us to drain us of our strength, you know as well as I do that we're not going to be at our best when we're walking among the people that we are to bring the good news to. We're not going to be at our best. Over and over and over again, the Bible talks about be very courageous, be strong. If ever there's a time for strong Christians, for courageous Christians, it's today. But you cannot allow yourself to be drained by the deterioration of the world around us. This world is not like it was in our, in our mama's ages, in our grandparents' ages, in our great grand. It's not that way anymore. But the thing about it is, we still have a mandate. We still have a purpose. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, in spite of what's going on around you. He says we are to continue. So it's very clear here that this, this, this depleted heart, that this, that this, if you will, melted heart has a tremendous effect upon people. Go with me, if you will, to another one that talks about this very same thing. Forgive me. Go with me, if you will, to, uh, I tell you what, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're familiar with this whole melted heart issue. The 12 spies, you know the story. They were sent into the promised land to spy out the land. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have time to explain it, but they were not to go in that land to find out what they were going to be up against when they entered that land. They were told to go in that land and spy out which way we must go in. They were to locate a route. He didn't tell them, you know, see what's, see what's going to be against us once we enter that. No, he was, and so, but, but they got their focus on what they were going to be up against rather than the mandate. And they came back, and you know the story, that the ten spies brought back an evil report. Two spies back back a, a good report. And I want to begin reading, if you will, in verse Deuteronomy chapter 1 in verse 22. Deuteronomy 1 in verse 22. 
Now this is Moses writing Deuteronomy, so Moses is the speaker here. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and you said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the lamb, and bring us word again. Here it is. By what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men, one of, twelve men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and they went into the mountain and came into the valley of Eskog and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the, of the land in their hands, brought it down to us, brought us word again, and said, it's a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured, murmured, murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth up out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whether shall we go up? Verse 28, our brethren, underline it, has discouraged, underline it, our hearts. The word discouraged here means melted. Our brethren have melted our hearts. Saying, it came through the ear gate, the people is greater and taller than we. In all the cities, in all the, in all the great, uh, uh, cities are great, walled up to heaven. Moreover, we sent the sons of Atticus there. Then said I unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes in the wilderness, where thou seest how that the Lord thy God doth bear thee, as a man doth bear his son in all thy way. You went up until you came into this place, yet in these things you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search it out. You know the story how that they refused to go in. But the point that I want to make is, I want to go back, if you will, to the Numbers uh, uh, rendition of the same story, Numbers chapter 14, and I want you to see something. These, these things, you, you've melted our hearts, you've discouraged our hearts, saying the walled cities, the people are greater than we are. Look at what happens here. Numbers chapter 14, you know the story. Numbers chapter 13, you know. Uh, they've come back, they've told the, verse 32 of Numbers 13, they brought back an evil report. Let's just read that. Numbers 13, verse 32. And they brought back an evil report in the land which the, they searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land which was gone up into search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great statue. And there we saw the, son, saw the giants, the sons of Anni, which were come of the Gentile, because of the, uh, of the giants. And we were on our own side as grasshoppers, and we were in their own sight as grasshoppers. Verse 1 of chapter 14. And all the children and all the congregation lifted up their voice, underline it, and they cried. I found this to be true. When your heart has become melted, it may be even melted concerning your own marriage. You've got so much information about your marriage and how it's deteriorating that all of a sudden you've lost your courage to fight for your marriage, to obey the word of God concerning your marriage, or maybe it is for your children. You've just been overwhelmed by a, a Miriam, a dump loads, if you will, of, of negative information. Spend a lot of time crying. Second thing that I find that people whose heart is melted, once again, verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. They do a lot of weeping. They do a lot of crying. 
But they also, verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured, underline it, murmured. They're expressing their discontent. They're, just, they're expressing their dissatisfaction. And look at what happens to people whose hearts are melted. If you're not real careful, the whole congregation said unto them, verse 2 of chapter 14, would to God that we had died in the, in the land of Egypt, or would to God that we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Guys, I found this to be true. When people are murmuring, when people's hearts are overwhelmed, they start to blame God. They start to blame God. And something else happens here. Joshua stands up in verse, in verse 6 and starts speaking to the people of Israel. And they spake unto all the company of the children, verse 7, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which passed through it to search it is an exceedingly good land. This is Joshua and Caleb. These are the two guys that said, we can do it. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give us the land, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defenses are departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bid. I found this to be true. When a person's heart is melted, you will disregard the counsel of the people that love you the most. You'll disregard the counsel of the people that love you the most. When your heart is just, your focus is so much on all the, all, all the, all the, all the evidence that proves that things are not going to be the way that they, sh- you know, that you think that they should be. If you're not real careful, it'll cause you to disregard the very counsel of people that are endeavoring to help you and turn your attention back onto your God. I thought about some of these things, and and I and, and I actually wrote this down. If you, can't identify, if you can't identify with the Israelites about all of this, then when it comes to us in the 21st century, what are we doing that we are no longer excited about? Your to-do list just overwhelms you. Good evidence that your heart has become melted. You're lethargic. Good evidence. Just haven't got any get up and go. Just haven't got any passions. Just haven't got any drive. You're unable to even motivate yourself when it comes to the simplest of life's tasks. We're consumed with the feelings of ineffectiveness. Lack of accomplishment. These are the things that we must all beware of because we're not tending to ourselves as, as we should. But I want to move along. But David said these words, when my heart is overwhelmed, Psalm 61, verse 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than high. David understood the importance of not allowing himself to remain in an overwhelmed condition. He understood the importance 
of not allowing himself to remain in a melted heart condition. David said these words in Psalms 42 verse 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why have you been so disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. Isaiah 40, we've already read it, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Evidently, there is an area here that we as believers must continually, if you will, become involved in, make it a practice to become involved in, in order for us to keep ourselves, if you will, um, filled, repleted for today's world. I want you to go back with me if you will, to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Paul said these words, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I find it very interesting that repleting yourself is a responsibility given to each and every one of us. I'll say that again. Repleting yourself, keeping yourself full is a responsibility that we, it's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not your fellow loved one's responsibilities. We all in this room have the responsibility to keep ourselves full. Jude 20, you don't have to turn here. I can get, I can get there real quick. Jude, verse 20 says these words. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We're to build up ourselves. We're to replete ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'll turn there. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says these words. Paul once again in verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Edifieth himself. So it's very clear here that we have been given a responsibility. You know, there's a song that we used to sing in church. I wish we'd bring some of our old songs back. I'll be very blunt about it. There's a song that said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You do not want me to sing that. But there is so much truth to that song. Because where I'm driving at and where I'm going is, is that we as believers must continually keep our eyes and turn our eyes on him. And it's a responsibility that we have. And if we choose not to do that, your eyes are going to go someplace. Your eyes are going to go with what the culture is doing, with what the world is doing, with what the morals are doing, with what the economy is doing, with what the... Uh, but the thing about it is, is you are to keep your eyes on him. I wish I could sing that song. It's a great song. And the way that we do that is through praise, individual, personalized praise and worship. We, we in the body of Christ today have become so trained to do worship, worship, worship in church. Because that's when the band's going to be up there. That's when the, 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 the song leader's going to be up there. They're going to be leading us. But guys, if you're going to maintain yourself in today's world, it's going to take more than a 20-minute stint from the podium Amen. on Sunday morning. It's going to take some personalized interaction with God. 
It's going to take that. We've got too many individuals today, in my opinion, and I, and I, and I deal with students every day. I deal with ministers, as, as, as Tony said, every day. I deal with 29,000 alumni. Some of the things that I'm, that I'm seeing is the absence of a personal, when it comes to giving him thanks, the fruit of our lips, the sacrifice of our lips. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real concern of mine. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. Listen to what, listen to what Paul says here. Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The condition of your heart matters. Not only matters for you and your family, guys. Not only matters for your own personal well-being, but for your own family, yes. But also for the welfare of the place that you work at, the schools that you attend. It matters. Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 20 says these words. Let's read verse 18 again. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. Uh, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, underline it, to the Lord. When it comes to keeping ourselves full, when it comes to keeping our perspective proper, there is an activity that we are to become involved in that is directed to him and not about him. So many songs we sing is about the Lord. And those songs are good and we need those songs. But the songs that will keep you, the hymns, the spiritual songs, the thanksgiving, the praise that will keep you full is when you direct your activity toward the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. Underline it. To the Lord. Underline that phrase. To the Lord. Listen, guys. There is, a, there, there is a comfortableness that needs to be birthed within each and every one of us when it comes to speaking to him and not just about him. 
Thank God for people that know some things about God. But thank God for individuals who actually engage in an activity that is true, that is true him. Acts chapter 13, I love this one. Acts chapter 13. Wish we could talk about this one a long time. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Well, I love the turning of the Bibles. Glory to God. You don't hear that in a lot of places today. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Now there were at the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, beginning with Barnabas and ending with Saul. Verse 2. And as they ministered, underline it, to the Lord. Underline that phrase. Notice here, they did not come together to sing about the Lord. They came together to minister to the Lord. And I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to spend any time teaching on this. And as they ministered, to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. I like to put it this way. As they came together to minister to, they weren't talking about God. They weren't talking about their relationship with God. They were ministering to him. And as they were ministering to him, listen to this, guys, the Spirit of God interrupted them and gave them a prayer assignment. Send Barnabas and Saul out for the work whereunto I have called them. A lot of things that need to be prayed, prayed about can be brought to our attention while we're, while we're ministering to the Lord. You'll understand this in a moment. One more verse. Acts 16, verse 25. Acts 16 and verse 25. Acts 16 and verse 25. Thank you, Lord. Acts 16 and verse 25. You know the verse. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises about God. Does it say that? And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises, underline it, unto God. There's a big difference. Big difference. Now go back with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see something here again, Ephesians 5. We need tanked up, filled up believers today that are full, not weak, not weary, not fainted, not just kind of holding out. Are you listening to me? No matter what age you are, I'm 69 years of age. No matter what, whether you're 69 or lower or 69 and higher, we need all believers, all believers, 
tanked up, filled up, ready to go, with a different outlook on life, with a different perspective about life, with a different view of this life. Because this world, you keep looking at this world, you keep looking at the culture that this world is promoting, it can become very disturbing to your heart. In fact, the Bible actually says that in the last days, so many things are going to happen that the hearts of men will fail within them. That can't be happening to us. Listen to what it says here in, Psalm, in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 in verse, in verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Watch this now. Speaking to yourselves, underline it, in Psalms, underline that. In hymns, underline that. And spiritual songs. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now hold your finger here in Ephesians. Just I'm going to come right back to it. Colossians chapter 3, just a couple of pages over. Colossians chapter 3. Hold your finger right there in Ephesians. I'm going to come right back to it. Colossians says the same thing. Paul writing to the Colossian church. Chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Underline it, Psalms, there it is again, Psalms. And underline it, hymns, there it is again. And spiritual songs. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now I don't know about you, but when I consider these two verses, and I'm going to hold my 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 my. My, my finger here in Colossians, and I'm going to come right back to it here in a moment. Well, I tell you what, let's just stay here in Colossians, and I'll, I'll go here, and then, then we'll go back to Ephesians. The question that we have to ask, I'm not given to psalms. I'm not given to hymns, and I'm not given to spiritual songs. I'm not a singer. Never have been, never will be. But the thing about it is, it's not about the vehicle through which the, 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 um, is, being, is being delivered through it's about the content. And the content of the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is supposed to be made up of the giving of thanks. Thankfulness. Gratefulness. Expressions of appreciation. Look at what it says here. <laughs> Look at what it says here. Verse, verse, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. I'm not a singer, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, psalm, whatever you do, hymn, whatever you do, spiritual song, singing in your heart to the Lord. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Underline it. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. Giving thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the best way to turn your Turn your eyes upon Jesus is to begin to give thanks, is to begin to give worship, to give expressions of gratitude. All of us must be, must be comfortable in this arena. Oh, we're comfortable in following the leader. We're comfortable in following the words on the... But the thing about it is, is no matter how comfortable we are, we must get to the point to where we can individually, in and of our own selves, give thanks. Look at what it says here in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. 
We've already read it. Let's go ahead and read it again. Verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, underline it, giving thanks always for all things. Now let's get after this thing and get to what I want to say. The only way for you and I to give thanks is to involve ourselves with three things. Number one, in order to give thanks, you must think about what God has done for you. In order to give thanks, in order to express appreciation, you must first of all think about what your God has done for you. People, people that only give thanks in other tongues. You know, the Bible says that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue giveth thanks and giveth thanks well. But you know as well as I do that when you're giving thanks, when you're worshiping God in other tongues, your mind is disconnected. Your spirit prayeth, but your understanding is unfruitful. The reason why a lot of people don't give thanks in English is because in order to give thanks in English, you have to first of all think about what that person has done for you. And you understand this, that if your understanding of what God has done for you is this much, then that's all the thanksgiving you can. If you know this much about what God has done for you, you can express gratitude that much. We're limited in what we can remind ourselves about. Number two, in order to give thanks, you must put value upon what God has done for you. You must put value upon what God has done for you. You must put value upon it. And number three, you must express it. You must express it with words. That's how thanksgiving is given. There's a song that we sing, think about his goodness and what he's done for you. You gotta, you gotta, we gotta spend some time stirring our thoughts up about just what has God done for us? Years ago, I came here and I ministered a message on being led by the Spirit of God. And I gave examples. And I, I gave that message here because God, God instructed me, go back over and list every time you can think about where I led you in the past. And I started writing them down. First time I was ever led. I was led to be filled with the Spirit of God after being born again. Second time I was led, I was led to break off a relationship that I had with a girl. Third time that I was led... I was led to come to Rainbow Bible Training Center. I can go, and I can't, and it gets blurred after that, but my point is simply this. If, if we don't put ourselves in remembrance, we have to think about what God has done for us. Sometimes, guys, we need to, his faithfulness, knowledge of his faithfulness in the past 
gives us fuel for fire in, for, for future events. And, and so, and so we're, we're to consider what great things the Lord has done for us. We're to put ourselves in remembrance of these things. And I found this to do, that in order to give thanks, you've got to redirect your attention back onto your God. And what that does for me is this. It changes the perspective of what you're going through. There's a story that, uh, that I tell about, there's a little lady, Brother Hagen used to talk about a little lady. My time's getting away. Her name was Sister Sylvia. She's a little red-haired girl that was in, her, in his church, but she was in charge of a prayer group. He'd say, I'd give, I give any prayer assignments to, these, to this little red-haired little lady by the name of Sister Sylvia. And she and her prayer group would get the answer. Mighty prayer warrior. And he would tell stories about her all the time when he preached. Well, in camp meeting in the 80s, she came to camp meeting, was only there one year. And uh, the word had gotten out, and I'm, the, I, I, I'm working, you know, there at Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and so working real close to Brother Hagin. And so I, I did my best. I want to meet this Sister Sylvia. I've heard so much about her. I want to meet her. So I got invited back to a back room where Brother Hagin was there, Mom Hagin was there, Pastor Hagin was there, Lynette was there, and some other people. Patsy Caminetti was there. I was there. I don't know who else was there. I don't remember. So we were all talking away, asking. And so everything kind of lulled down. So I said, Sister Sylvia, can I ask you a question? She said, oh, yeah. I said, what's the difference between the way that you prayed back in the 40s and the 30s and the way that we pray today and without flinching? It was almost like she was perched waiting for me to ask that question. She said, oh, that's easy. She said, I've watched you all. She said, you come into contact with a, with a, with a prayer request? And you start talking about what the doctor has said about that, what the, what the x-rays have said about it, about what kind of medications she's on, what kind of symptoms that's occurring. And she said, I've noticed, y'all, that by the time you get to your prayer, your God's about that big and your problem's about that big. She said, what we would do is, if we would go into their homes and we would, we, we would take an army of ladies we might be doing dishes, and we might be ironing, and we might be cleaning up after the kids while, while that sick lady is in the, in the bed, but we were there. And the whole time, the whole time, we're talking about our God. The whole time, we're just thanking God for what he's done for us in the past. And she said, by the time we get together to pray for that little lady in that bed, she said, our God was about this big, and our problem was about that big. Amen. Can I put it to you like this, guys? Putting yourself in remembrance of what God has done for you in the past, putting yourself in remembrance to what God has done for you in the past will change your perspective of things. It'll change your perspective of things. It'll get your, it'll get your God to where he's a big God compared to a little problem. <laughs> compared to a big problem and a little God. Go with me if you would ask. Oh, I hope that you understand what I'm about to say. Uh, Acts, Acts chapter 4. This is a great example. Love this example. There's many examples in the word, but my time's got away from me. Uh, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I'll never forget, as you're turning to Acts chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading with verse 29. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's don't read verse 29. Let's go back up here to, to uh, uh, um, 
verse, uh, verse 18. Acts chapter 4 and verse 18. I'll never forget, I was, I was, um, I, I was uh, uh, um, teaching in healing school. And I had, I had a chalkboard that I always used. And, uh, and so I had drawn a, a mountain on that chalkboard. And uh, so I'm teaching about Mark 11, 23, speaking to your mountain, you know. And I just happened to look back at that mountain that I'd drawn on that chalkboard. And the moment I looked back at it, the Lord said this to me. There are people in this room so captivated with their mountain, they forgot what I told them to do about their mountain. Listen to what the Lord said to me. There are people in this room so captivated with their mountain, they forgot what I told them to do about their mountain. You can become, your perspective can become so skewered. Is that the word? Screw, screw, screw. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that it can really affect you. Sometimes you have to change your perspective. Are you listening to me? And one of the best ways of changing your perspective is getting your attention back on your God again. Of what he's done for you in the past. Of what he's done for you through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God and through Jesus and his love for you. Look at what it says here in Acts chapter 4. Love this. Verse 18. They called them, commanded them not to speak anymore or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding nothing how that they might punish them because of the people. For, they, for all men glorified God uh, that, uh, for that which was done. For the man that was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, I love this, they went back into their own company. Look at what happens here. And they said, they got to talking about their God. They didn't start talking about how they were treated. They got to talking about their God. Lord, Lord, listen to this, love this. I've got to find it again. Just let it get away from me. Where am I at here? Verse, being let go. Uh, verse 23, being uh, 24. And so they reported to the chief priest what was going on. And when they heard that, they all lifted up their voices to God and said with one accord, Lord, thou art God. You're the man, you're the person who made the heavens and the earth and, and the sea. <laughs> and all that's within them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, but of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Verse 29, look at this. They just talked about the God of the heavens, the God, the God who made the earth, the God that made the seas and all that's within them. And now he says these words, I love this. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders be, may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Do you see here? They got to talking about their God. 
We've got to start putting ourselves in remembrance. When it talks about, when it talks about, if you will, relationships with our children, our adult children, and you're seeing them going ways that they shouldn't be going, you start getting your mind back on God again. And get God involved in the situation. But the thing about it is, we need to change our, it changes our perspective by getting, by, by getting our attention back on him. We're getting our focus back on him. We're thinking about what he has done. We're putting ourselves in remembrance of what he's done. We're placing value upon it. And we're uttering it with our expressions of gratitude and words. But I want to say one more thing. I found this to be true. That these times of praise, these times of worship, they not only change our perspective and get our perspective right about the problems that we're encountering, but they also, when you begin to utter your praise and your thanksgiving with your mouth, what it does is it reconnects your mouth up to your heart. Because a lot of individuals, when they're going through all hell and their life is falling apart, if you're not real careful, your mouth will get connected to your problem. And we need our mouths connected to our heart. Are you listening to me? It changes perspective. So when you feel like crying, get your mouth connected to your heart again. And begin to give him thanks for what he's done for you. Begin to think about all the times that he's blessed you and kept you. It changes, it changes how we function in this life. We need people that are filled up. But listen, guys, we need more filling up times than just on a Sunday morning. If you have to, start a new habit. Begin to write down as you, as you look in the Word. Ah, oh, man, he's made me a new creature. Father, I've never thanked you for this, but thank you for making me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Allowing my mind to be renewed by the Word of God. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost. Allowing me to speak in tongues and pray for things that I know not how to pray for as I ought. What does it do? It changes your perspective of what you're capable of. Come on. It changes your perspective. <laughs>